This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info. Today we're down in South London in Camberwell at Bronx Gyms and I'm with the amazing founder and CEO Marnie Swindles. Marnie, welcome to our Modern Woman podcast. For those of you who don't know, you may recognise Marnie's name as she was the 2023 winner of BBC's The Apprentice and secured quarter of a million pounds investment from Lord Sugar into her boxing gym's Bronx, which is where we are down today. So Marnie, I'm really sort of been excited for a while to come and see you and speak to you in person. Tell us, how did you get into boxing? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I've been in boxing for a very long time, probably too long. I started boxing when I was 17. Started off for myself, selfishly, I just wanted to fight, was not interested in coaching or any of the other stuff that goes with it. And then over time, just being in the sport, being around it, you start to want to try out different capacities and different roles. So then moved into coaching for a while, promoted for a while, and now I own a gym. So I don't know how how it all ended up here, but it did. But you actually also forged a career in law, didn't you, as well? Yeah, so that I also have boxing to thank for. And I always say that I owe boxing a lot. It's really changed the trajectory of my life for the better. So every time... I've encountered something, I've turned to boxing and it's had an answer, even down to my personal relationship, my fiance, I met him in the gym. Um, I met a barrister in the gym. I was just on a bag one day and punching away. And I said to her, I said, I'm totally lost. I've just left uni, have no idea what I want to do with my life. I, I, I don't know what my next steps are. And she said, I'm a barrister. Why don't you come and shadow me? See if you like it. So I said, okay, what have I got to lose? Went along, shadowed her for, it was a seven day GBH trial. And I fell in love with it. The way she just walked into the room and just commanded everybody's attention and that presence. It had a lot of um, mirroring of boxing, you know, the same mm-hmm. way you step into a ring and all eyes are on you. And I fell in love with it. So then I went back did law uh, and became a barrister and now I found myself back in boxing somehow. So how did you transition from being a barrister back into the boxing ring? Well it was weird I was living like a um, uh, a dual life so by day I'd be in court and I'd be very formal and all upright with counsel and judges and then in the evening I'd be back in the gym with guys from the estates and you know this whole mix of people so I was I was living a very weird life um but the ultimate deciding factor is that boxing and business has no ceiling whereas a life in law it did have a ceiling and I felt like I was pouring myself into that job but only getting a certain amount back whereas with business what you put in is what you get out and and the the sky really well even the sky isn't the limit Yeah. And I think that's quite an inspiring point about there is no ceiling in boxing. And one thing that I like about it, especially for sort of youngsters today, is a really good way of like there is nowhere for youngsters to hang out. And I think boxing is one of those that, you know, gets kids off the street, if you like, but also really occupies their minds and gives them an outlet to something not just inspiring, but also a path to some form of success as well. Yeah. Who who would you say influenced those early years when you were 17 and started getting into boxing? Well, for me, I I mean, I see a lot of myself in the kids that come through the gym today, just young kids who are angry for a variety of reasons, stuff going on in their own lives, pent up, aggressive, and just have no real place where 
those characteristics aren't shunned and dismissed. You know, mm. if you go to school or academic jobs and things like that, you're expected to behave a certain way. And some kids just don't fit that box. And having a place like boxing where those traits, that aggression, that power in kids can not only be nurtured, but also celebrated, I think is a good thing. I think society needs avenues mm. for different kinds of people. You know, not everybody is going to thrive in the same environment. So creating different pathways is so important. But I, you know, boxing gets a bad reputation and the biggest battle I have is with parents who think, you know, that's gonna make my kid more violent. It's gonna make them more aggressive. And I can't express enough mm. how much it does the opposite. Once a kid is in the ring and is against a kid who's better, they quickly are humbled and realize, you know what? There is, there's respect to this. There's an art to this. There's something I need to learn. This isn't about a fight. Um, and it gives them the power to know that if a situation arises in the real world, they can handle themselves, they can defend it. They no longer feel the need to go out and prove themselves and start things. Um, mm. And that even that is something that I experienced directly is that I no longer needed to prove myself. Boxing gave me a lot. Mm. And I think obviously the idea is to box better, right? You yeah. know, it's not like being in the kid's playground and, and that kind of thing. It's actually knowing how to fight properly um so tell us about bronx tell us about what you do down here i've just had been shown around i've also seen what is going to happen in the future yes. which is very exciting but tell us what what you offer down here so bronx the the usp for bronx is being that middle option between the spit and sort of feeling and that integrity that magic that you find in amateur gyms but mixed with that sort of higher end commercial awareness the scalability the business mind of the more premium gyms or the chain gyms um because currently there isn't a go-to name there isn't a go-to brand when it comes mm. to boxing so that's what i wanted bronx to be um and in terms of the customer experience i want people to come down here and everybody feel welcome like really open the doors to boxing and say this is not a closed off hyper masculine sport full of six packs this is a sport for everyone. And I think once I can do that, once I can fully achieve that, then yeah, boxing boxing can become a much bigger industry and a much mm. bigger economy. And how are you planning to achieve that? Well, a lot of work. <laughs> it's been a lot of hard work. Like I said, trying to demystify boxing and trying to teach people that it's not about that. I still get, even the other day I had a woman come in and she said, I've walked past this door like 10 times to and from work and I was too afraid to come in. And if only they realize that what lies behind the doors of Bronx is just such a loving, warm, caring environment. We're about to have a Christmas party with everyone's bringing in baked goods and cakes. And it's just everything you wouldn't imagine when you picture the Rocky films and these gritty, dark gyms. Um, and that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create a space, a gym that was for everyone. I spoke a lot about in The Apprentice that it was about selling feelings not fitness about what it means to be part of a gym and part of a community and as as you said um, I'm currently renovated a second floor in Camberwell and that will just expand that ability to get even more people through the doors mm. well I definitely felt that warmth when I got in here and I think that's a lot to do with you obviously being the face of, of Bronx and what you've created so you mentioned about the second floor which I know is where Lord Sugar's investment is going yes. um so tell us about your experience on The Apprentice and <laughs> I know this sounds a really silly question but did you think you was going to win it I hand on heart it's easy oh I didn't think I was going to win 
I hand on heart did not think I was going to win. I went into the show with the best intentions. Some people say, oh, I didn't, I didn't care about winning. I cared about winning. I went in there. I didn't go in there half-hearted. But there was good competition. There were people who wanted it just as much as I did. Um, and when it got down to the final two between me and Rochelle, I really thought it was going the other way. Um, there were just cues. I, I think I'm quite an intuitive person as is Lord Sugar. And, and there were just things he said, things he did that I picked up on and I thought, it's not going my way. He, he's going to go with Rochelle. So then the day that I found out he had gone for me, um, oh, I was just, it's one of the happiest moments of my life. It was incredible. And what do you think won him over? I think he looks for people. I think, I think what matters to him is people's character, people's integrity, people's honesty. And I know... He said a few times throughout the process about trusting his gut, even when it came down to putting uh, me in the final with Rochelle over Megan. He looked at us both and, you know, his head probably said, Megan, you know, she'd already been in business. She'd been established. I was brand new to business. I was a much riskier bet. And he looked at us both and he, he, he outwardly said, my gut, sometimes business is about listening to your gut. And my gut, Marnie, you're going through to the final. And, oh, even that, it just, it was the most incredible moment. Um, so I think he just followed his gut instincts. And I think he was looking for people over just a business plan. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think you've changed since that experience? Oh, so much, so much, so much for the better. Uh, probably some for the worse as well. Um, I have just had the most steep learning curve you can imagine from my, my first real shot at business was in February. And since then to now, we're in December now, um, this last nine months has just been crazy. Mm. Um, I've learned a lot about managing people, working with people. I have learned to listen a lot more. Um, I've learned that you have to also play the bad guy sometimes too, which is something I never wanted to be. I always imagined I'd have this business where... We'd all be running around with happy, smiley faces. But being in this position, you you also have to be the person that someone said to me, you have to do what's best for the house. So sometimes if you have to hurt one person for the greater good, sometimes as the leader, you have to make those difficult decisions, which I found hard, but I'm learning. Mm. And what do you think has been your biggest challenge since setting up uh, the business? Probably that, probably managing people, learning to understand how to motivate people, how to garner loyalty, how to um, manage that and balance that with discipline as well. Because mm. like I said, when I first started out, I wanted to create an environment and I still do where everyone wants to come to work and no one disgruntles it. Because once they hate coming to work and they don't want to wake up in the morning to get here, you lose that sense of motivation. So I always wanted to keep that going and keep that momentum. But if you give people too much of a good time, they can take advantage of that. So yeah, it's been really hard trying to navigate that balance. Absolutely. And I don't think you're the only one. Everyone I, I speak to. I think all business owners feel that way. business owners, yeah. no matter how much experience you've got, dealing with people is the biggest challenge. Yeah. You know, it always is, especially as you grow as well, because you need more people to grow. Yeah. So it is just naturally I think a learning, challenge. learning to delegate and, and be hands off. When it's your business and it's something you've created and it's your baby. I mean, I don't have kids, but I would imagine it feels a lot the same way of like giving your kids a babysitter for the first yeah. time. 
you're really relinquishing control and I'm guilty of of thinking I'm the only person who can do it justice so I take back a lot of jobs and in order to not stifle the business learning to actually separate and let go is something I am still struggling with I'm still working on but I understand it's absolutely imperative to make the to business yeah. to make the business flourish. But I think the biggest thing is you recognise that, don't you? Yeah. You recognise that's maybe something that you want to work on for yeah. the better of the business. So you're new to business, but you're not new to boxing. And one of the things I want to talk about is you know women in boxing. Um, I can't believe that it was only 2012 that women were represented at the Olympics, and since then we have we have come a long way. And I think you know other established sports promoters out there have you know done a lot to yeah. support women in boxing. Um, what would you say is something that you'd like to see change for, let's say, female boxers first of all, and then we'll go on to the business side of it? Well, I think, like you said, it's come a long way in such a short space of time to go from no women in the Olympics 2012, which, thinking about it now, that's crazy. 2012, yeah. that was like just over 10 years ago. It's You think those things are things of the past, and actually that's yeah. still really close in the fu- in the in, in the present um so I think we have come a long way from that to now seeing all female cards headlining events you know Katie Taylor Chantel Cameron have sold out arenas twice now Clarissa yep. Shields Savannah Marshall we've got big names now in boxing um I think the more women that do that the more women at grassroots level will have an aspiration because that was one of the reasons why I sort of veered away from boxing myself is that it wasn't going anywhere there wasn't a pathway there wasn't a route now there is now some of the women that have followed it through and reached the top have carved that path I think it'll encourage a lot more girls to go through it once it does the competition will raise standards will raise everything in boxing will just get bigger and better for women from the business side of things I think there is a huge huge gap Mm. in the market for women to you know have a seat at that table and and represent what women what women can offer on a on a business level absolutely so do you ever see yourself as a boxing promoter absolutely that is that's something I would love to get into eventually I used to dabble in some white collar events um which were going really well until Boris shut down everyone's events in COVID um and after that I thought I want something more tangible like a gym but there is still that part of unfinished business inside me that thinks Maybe maybe events something I'd like to get back to. Yeah, well, I guess it's you know setting up a gym is one thing, and you've got a lot of work here already. But definitely yeah. for the future, I think that's where it's at, and you've definitely got the energy for it as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the two things go hand in hand, like being on the ground, seeing the the problems that boxers face. You know, we've got some pro boxers down this gym, and even just financing their training sometimes, sponsorships, promoting themselves. These are all things that. You know, you have to see it to understand the problem that needs fixing and, and I'm around it. I can help give them a pathway. I'd love to see a situation where we've got fighters come in, join us as amateurs, stay with us as pros. I could then promote them and we could have a real all-encompassing in-house operation. I think that would be yeah. perfect. So what's your view on professional boxers versus the YouTubers? Well, there's a big debate about it and I've been very transparent that initially I was a, a purist. I was actually speaking to um, someone from, uh, a, someone really well-known in Misfits the other day and I said straight to her face, I said, you know what, I didn't believe in you guys. I thought thought the Misfits world was a joke, had no no belief in it. 
but there is no denying what they've done in terms of marketing themselves in terms of the 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 size of these events and how much momentum and scale they bring and I think pro boxing has a lot to learn from them pro boxing has the talent and you've got a lot of disgruntled people in there because they have worked so hard they've had 50 odd fights and work really hard to climb the ranks to finally become a pro step out on the scene and they're still not making the money they should versus misfits who've spent a long time building their following step out on the scene and are making 100k for their first fight so I can see why people are frustrated but pro boxing is a business it's not a sport it's about marketing it's about promotion it's about selling yourself it's about selling tickets and that's what promoters are interested in and until boxers understand that then misfits is going to keep winning Mm, and rightfully so shows the power of social media as well i think in modern times doesn't it yeah absolutely It, it just can't be underestimated i hate social media i'm awful with it i'm typically guilty of forgetting to post or posting too late or the moment's gone or I'm, I'm awful with it um but I do recognize how important it is for business yeah I, and that's what bo- pro boxers need to see themselves as as a business yeah. as a brand in their own right and do you think they struggle with that and it's more about it's almost like dealing with a creative isn't it a creative sometimes hasn't got the business mind do you think yes. it's the same as fighters and the promoter and their managers need to coach them on that Exactly. I think I think pro boxers are very stuck in this place of I'm going to fight. I want to be a champion, and all I care about is my training, which is necessary. Don't get me wrong, but they need to be guided. And a promoter's job is to help say we need to do more of this. We need to move into this. We need to to, to promote you better. Mm. Um, but the boxers have to be willing, and I think there is a lot of unwillingness to either show too much personality in case it shows too much weakness shows too much vulnerability. Um, I think they prefer to play the sort of mysterious, closed-off character. Mm. So that, talking of promoters, they're obviously, really, the men have got that sewn up, haven't they? You yeah. know, they're, the main promoters out there are, you know, run run by men. And do you think that women will have a challenge trying to get through that market, you know, individuals like yourselves that eventually want to become female promoters? I think there's a lady called Lindsay Lockie who's just got her licence. I think she's one of the first women to get um, a boxing promoter licence. I mean, do you think they'll be, you know, embraced or do you think they'll they'll have barriers? I think I think the right person will be embraced. I wouldn't want to put too much emphasis on the idea that a woman coming through that the men wouldn't accept because I can honestly say that the boxing community have been very open arms to me. Coming out of the back of The Apprentice, a lot of the promoters reached out and congratulated me, wished me well. Um, so I can't say that I think there is a barrier there in terms of it being female or male. But what I do think is a lot of women would probably, because of that idea of are they welcome there, lack the confidence to Mm. step up to the plate. Um, And my approach in terms of being a female in what is, let's face it, a very male-dominated world, is just to go in there as myself, go in there as Marnie, almost not put too much emphasis on being Marnie the female. You know, being Marnie... Marnie, you know, because, you know, we don't talk about Eddie Hearn as the male promoter or Frank Warren as the male promoter. And I think there's a real power in 
not acknowledging it and having them take me as me. Um, And then it's my character. It's my integrity. It's what I can offer, which is getting me a seat at that table, not any kind of checkbox that they've got a female on on side, you know? Mm. So why South London? Because a lot of boxing does come out of East London. Obviously, you've got York Hall and there's a lot of, you know, gyms around there. And I can understand maybe it's something you knew, but is this a special place in your heart, South London? Or Well, so I came to London uh, when I was 18 after. I grew up in Manchester, came to London. Never had, a, I'd never actually been here before. So I came down, had all my stuff on a coach, drew, drove down here eight hours and I was confident my mum was like are you sure you want to do this and I'm fine I've got it mum I got off the coach with all my bags and I just froze for like 40 minutes and I thought what the hell have I just done I'm in this big city all alone I'm terrified um and then day by day just kept putting one foot in front of the other um did the law thing did the boxing thing and then did that for about 10 years javelin a little bit of both and then by chance, I found this place in Southeast London in Camberwell. And it was actually a uh, neighbor who was dealing with some of the building works in this property who said, I've just found out the space and it would make the best boxing gym. Like just the, the look of it, the feel of it, the size of it, it would be incredible. So he brought me around, showed me the space, it wasn't even on the market. It was covered up to about knee high in sewage. There was asbestos in the walls. So it was definitely not the case that I chose this place because it was easy. Um, (laughs) But I do feel like there was a sense of fate in this place. Uh, There was a sign that it happened that he was showed at me at the time that it was already in my head. um, And it had so many problems, but it also had so much potential, which is everything I stand for in boxing is, you know, taking these kids who are going through difficult times and seeing that, seeing that spark in them, seeing that opportunity and be able to imagine it and, and make something of it. Um, so then once I'd found this place, I couldn't turn my back on it. So, I mean, South, you're right, East London has a lot to offer, but I think London in general is a great place mm. for boxing. It's got a lot of history here. Um, and I, I boxed myself in South East London, so I wanted to keep it here. But the plan is to go UK, nationwide anyway one day so hopefully I'll I'll, I'll do the rounds literally <laughs> so you, you mentioned your mum and I did read somewhere that you lost your dad at quite a young age yeah. and how do you think that has that experience has influenced you as a person and sort of as you go forward in your career I think it I mean I lost him when I was eight so I was very young and immediately even as eight-year-old even as an eight-year-old I took on a lot of responsibility and really felt like I was from that point on the driver of my own destiny there was never going to be any big inheritance fund there was never any trust there was my whole life would rest on what I did with it um so I've always been since then very proactive very determined to transcend the life that my parents had um very working class life. My dad worked on the railways. My mum was always a cleaner. So always wanted more than that. Um, and I suppose him passing away just solidified the fact that 
if you want to make anything happen, you've got to you've got to do it yourself. Mm. And I think the experiences like that do shape us. But there's a lot of good to take out of that as yeah. well because you know you probably wouldn't be where you are today and be as successful as you are without that experience. It as makes well. it makes you a lot more resilient. It makes mm, you you know. I agree. If, if at eight years old I can face that in the way that I faced it. There is nothing that as an adult I can't tackle. You know, I look back to that younger former self and think, wow, she was so brave. Like, she was so brave to handle that as a child. Um, Who am I now, nearly 30 years old, to not be able to confront these small fears of having difficult conversations? You know, I almost owe it to her. Mm, I hear you. So, um, you know, you you are... I would say in the grand scheme of things, a young woman, although we're very similar ages, but young in business. And how do you balance sort of like home life? I know you said you've got fiance, haven't got kids, but I, you know, I don't have kids and I think there's still so many changes just running yeah. businesses. They are literally babies. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you balance that? And what advice would you give to other business women starting up? I am in no position to give advice because I have not <laughs> figured it out at all. Um, no, I have got no home life at all at the minute. It, again, I've, I really, I get asked a lot, you know, you won The Apprentice, give us your business advice, give us this. And I'm always the first person to say, I don't know yet. I'm still figuring this out um, because it's not something I've mastered. We both, me and my fiance, he helps me a lot here. He's also in boxing. Um and we both suffer and sacrifice a lot to make this happen. We'll send each other um, videos and memes of stuff of, you know, talking about suffer now. And in fact, Muhammad Ali said it's suffer now and live the rest of your life as champions. So the idea is we work hard now. We forfeit the comforts now, the holidays, the, the date nights. We forfeit that now in the hope that we'll have an incredible future together. Mm. So that's the plan. But it is very difficult. It's very difficult. Every time I try and switch off, and we'll sit there and watch a movie. I'll get about 15 minutes in and then I'll start thinking about cash flows and people in the gym and problems. And I think, right, how can I make that better? And I just, I can't relax. And I think that's just the circumstances of my life right now is I won't relax until I've achieved what I need to achieve here. Mm. They're also the good times to give advice. So one thing yeah. that I've, obviously I meet lots of different people and and people in business and you've got those that have, you know, sold out and success, success stories. And I've I've actually learned so much from those that are on that onward tra- trajectory, yeah. like yourself. And there's a couple of others that spring to mind. So don't ever lose that because whilst you're learning, you can help others yeah. as well. And I think, I think there's something refreshing. really special in that. Yeah, I think it's refreshing because I think I, one of the things I hate most is when you go online and there's like like people preaching about what you should do. And I always, sometimes I'll be scrolling and I think, you don't know, how do you know what's good for me? Like, who are you to, people qualify themselves as experts a lot of the time for things that they're not experts in. And I think it's so important that people put that disclaimer in that, you know, not an expert, still working it out. But hopefully, as you said, you can learn a little something from me yeah. as I'm figuring it out too. Well, it's been really lovely chatting with you, Marnie. I've, there's sure we could sit here all day, but, you know, is there anything you'd like to finish on or anything you'd like to share before we finish? I just think, I mean, I know a lot of your audience is young women and just women in general in business, starting out in business, establishing business. Um, and I think it's so important that we do stick together, learn from each other because... One thing that one thing that I really valued from The Apprentice is being alongside other like-minded people. It was the mm. first time in my life where 
I was in a place of 18 other candidates, albeit we didn't always get along, but I always respected them because every single person in there was just trying to make a better life for themselves. And when you have these hubs and these communities where people collaborate and get together and say, we all have the same mutual goal. I think it's so important to protect those spaces because it's the only place you can find your 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 people. Absolutely. And that's pretty much why I set up Modern Woman yeah. and, you know, how we've grown it where we are today. You've just, it is so important to have that safe space, isn't it? And harness those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Brilliant. Well, it's lovely having you. So thank you to Marnie Swindles, who is the founder of Ronx Gyms. I'm sure there's lots more to come. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> this is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info.